Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, here we are on another week of banter and we are back oh. in a regular programming yes. <laughs> schedule. Oh, it's been a while, hey. It's, it feels like it's been a hot minute, but it's good to All be right. back in the seat. Good to be back All across right. the table from you, Mitch. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm well. Excellent. How was your holiday, Murray? It was great. It was great. We went to, it's quite funny. I was saying to someone the other day, once you have a kid, you're, um, I suppose, like standard for what is a good holiday. <laughs> very drastically changes so we stayed at a farm stay um up the central coast actually the suburb was called Duralong. so i was just in a longer dural you know (laughs) just living that long life um but yeah it was cool there were alpacas and goats and chickens and ducks and cows and a bunch of like kelpies that they actually breed these are beautiful beautiful kelpies so yeah george was in his absolute element the house was a bit trash. <laughs> like, but we like ran out of hot water every day. and Yeah, but George had the time of his life. Well, that's, and all, that's, man. that's what family holidays yeah. are all about. Doing it for the kids. Yeah. So how about you, man? Anything anything fun get up to that you can actually share on the podcast <laughs> while uh, while's away? Uh, no, nothing <coughs> exciting. Just the same old, same old. Just the daily grind. Here, the daily grind <coughs> of, you know, the centre. Well, I have, I have, my cold has worsened. I feel like I'm like holding my nose. Mm, yeah. That's what it sounds like in my ears. I don't know if that's how. Yeah. You sound like you're doing like a bit of a, like a Woody Allen in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound great. You sound great. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so you uh, graced us yesterday with as promised, as advertised <laughs> yes. in our previous banter. Um, yeah. You, you, you buried your undies on stage. Uh, yeah. I buried my running shorts. Which is fantastic. Well, I was, out. <laughs> I was going to, I was actually going to ask you, are you more of a, a briefs or boxer kind of guy? Uh, yeah, I'm more of a boxer, but like cotton sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm personally yeah, like a jockeys guy. Jockeys, in the yeah. words of Kramer from Seinfeld, I, I need the secure protection of jockeys. <laughs> My boys need a house. But you know, well, we, this is what makes the world go round. We, we're all unique. Well, because that was linen. I was like, it's the closest I could find to linen. That sort of mm. exercise you know, kind of fabric-y stuff mm. that I use in my running shorts. So, yeah, yeah I went with that. Yeah, come on, yeah. running yeah. shorts. I mean, yeah. look, it's, it's just as intimate, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, running shorts are probably grosser because by the time you're done with them, they probably yeah, smell filthy, a lot yeah. worse, they feel yeah. a lot worse. So I um, was sort of thinking about what you're saying about the linen element of the loincloth. Um, and you spoke about the sort of priestly association with linen in the Bible. Mm. Um, but I was also thinking when you're talking about it, about the the purity of linen that angels are often, when mm, they're described, yeah. like dressed in linen as well, which I f- thought was like an interesting yeah, sort interesting. of element as well to it. Yeah, Actually, um, it had no chance to unpack it, but clothing, it makes a big theme throughout the Bible. Mm. Um, the fact that Adam and Eve, uh, like kings and queens, that's mm. not a title used there, but their role being in a garden yeah. and looking after it. To like rule. A, yeah, yeah. that's a, what kings and queens do. And to not be wearing clothes is like, whoa, it's mm. highly unusual. It's sort of what stands out in the text. to the, would have mm. stand out, stood out in the text to the ancient readers. Yeah. And the fact that they're clothed, yeah, donated their change in status. They still were made in the image of God. They're still image bearers, but it's shifted now that they're aware of sin. And then, yeah, um, the 
Aaron and the and the priest getting the the priestly garment. It's mm. just kind of pointing back to Eden in a sense, mm. and yeah, all, and you kind of look through scripture like um, King David before he's King David. Jonathan puts his robe on him to show that well, you're really king. Um, mm. Yeah, Jesus actually being robed too in a way, mocking him but showing like his sort of kingliness. And yeah. actually, Jesus is the prevailing theory is Jesus probably would have been naked. Mm. on the cross they probably would have stripped everything away mm. to humiliate him fully mm. so it's Jesus mm. goes back to the state of Adam mm. in order for us to wear clothes of righteousness so mm. yeah actually it's a like a, a theme that you can trace throughout scripture the importance of clothing yeah. not just for functional but for identity yeah well I couldn't help but think of the sort of very not very unchristian but the unchristian sort of just secular story of like the emperor's new clothes yeah. about the king who kind of walks down the street naked and everyone sort of laughs at him and then even like king david in the bible when mm. he's kind of going down the main street of jerusalem in probably his loincloth yeah, as well yeah, yeah. um this idea that yeah it is seen as shameful mm. uh that there's something that needs to be covered up and there's something that's very yeah interesting about this idea of nakedness yeah well, well it's interesting there's a bit of I didn't even touch on it, but a bit of scholarly debate about what type of clothing Jeremiah was wearing because sure. a loincloth or a linen belt, as NIV says, mm. is like the underwear. And so mm. some people are like, oh, well, you had to have got naked to do that. Oh, that's... It's like, well, Isaiah walked around naked. Literally three, naked. Like, <laughs> to, to kind of demonstrate um, what would happen to Egypt. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, you know. Uh, it's funny, people get so bogged down in these like minute details. It's mm. like, well, the point is... is had some sort of linen garment, mm. whether it be on the outer or the inner. The inner makes so much more sense about being bound like so closely to God. Yeah, totally. So he, okay, he stripped it off and he buried it. That's the point. Is yeah. Like garment that had a use for it becomes yeah. useless. There's something about that um, almost like somewhat grossly intimate imagery, which kind of like connects my mind to circumcision a bit as well. Mm. Like this sort of deeply intimate thing that is like drawing us close to God. It's yeah, quite a powerful analogy. It really does bring a lot of, uh, yeah, I I suppose feelings. I can understand why at a certain point in the church's history, maybe they wanted to call it a linen belt rather than a loincloth. Well, loincloth's a bit like... Yeah, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. That's what cavemen wore. It's like yeah, my sort like, of yeah, Fred Flintstone well, sort of. But yeah, linen belt. I think yeah. helps. Well, I liked it. It said linen belt because like, oh, that's you know, yeah. Well, how I wanted to draw upon the linen. It's linen yeah. and connecting that with the the priests, and so yeah. it alluding to Israel's role mm. as a kingdom of priests. They mm. failed to do that. Mm. You brought up um, Isaiah's, obviously, one of his sign acts mm. as well of being naked. And obviously, Jeremiah has a few sign acts mm. that we're going to continue to look at after our sort of uh, winter break. Um, I'd like to just unpack Synax as a thing for mm. a second for people who maybe aren't super marinating in scripture. Um, there's a few Synax obviously that Jesus does in varying mm. degrees. Um, and yeah, a lot of Synax that occur throughout the Old Testament. Not something that we um, are seeing a lot in a modern church mm-hmm. setting. Okay. Why do you think that is? What's the value of sign acts? Yeah. What's going on with it? So sign act, another way to, to call it is an acted parable. Mm. It's just a dramatic performance to yeah. communicate teaching. That's mm. really it at its core. And they're usually done silently. Like mm. sometimes there's elements of teaching. Like mm. Jeremiah, obviously buying the belt, I'm sure there was words exchanged. Sure. But we don't like from a textual point of view, if... Like, we know what he's doing because we've got insider mm. knowledge. But for the original audience, like, where's this guy going? Like, mm. there's a there's also a bit of debate. The 
NIV has the word go bury at Pera, which was a town only about four k's from Jerusalem, mm-hmm. roughly near um, Jeremiah's hometown. Or it could be translated as Euphrates. Mm. Euphrates is like a five-month journey to Babylon. So, like, did yeah. he actually go to like the Euphrates? Did he go by the Babylon and bury it and come back? Like, mm. that's like almost a year round trip to mm. do it. And so, but there's one commentator wrote so that look, it doesn't matter where he buried it the point is is that this sign act is to point to something mm. deeper so it's a it's just a dramatic performance to communicate mm. teaching and yeah one author i read just said it well um i did kind of plagiarize him because i couldn't remember who it was mm. but um yeah like when when you're not listening to god or like just sort of blocking your ears to his teaching sometimes silence is where god speaks loudest mm. and there's one thing I noticed when I was performing. People were a bit like, because oh. mm. like, it's so unusual. Yeah, grab the attention. Yeah, and so if you see this guy just walking around burying his linen belt, you're like, what's he doing? Mm. Like, holding it up. And you're like, oh. And then start speaking. You're like, okay. Like, mm. that's something powerful there. Mm. And because Zion chapter 20, when he's wandering around naked, you're like, what's this guy doing? Or Ezekiel, mm. who lies on his side for a year with this clay model of the city of Jerusalem surrounded by the Babylonian army. Like, yeah. wow, what, what's going on here? Yeah. There's something really powerful about that. Yeah. I guess to answer the question, why don't we see it much today? I think because as a Protestant church, I think collectively probably don't value drama. Mm. We value more the spoken word. So mm. as I guess children of the Reformation, and it was big, like the Reformation's big thing was preaching the word. Mm. And so it was taken literally. And I think we've just inherited that mm. to communicate God's word is it's done in the sermon, mm. not mm. in like a drama. Mm. That's almost like a like a secondary thing. Oh, we could have a drama or a dance. That's a secondary thing. But sure. Yeah, it's a kid's yeah. item. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, well, Jesus, Jesus used almost what we'd say children's stories to communicate some of sure. the deepest truths. Yeah. Scripture, like parables, like simple, but actually not. They're, mm. And the same with like Jeremiah 13. It's a very simple like piece of scripture. It doesn't need much exegeting no. at all. You mm. know what he's doing. But yeah. there's a powerful truth to that. And that's actually mm. sometimes where scripture hits home the most is just the simplicity of it. Simple, but not simplistic. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and you can remember that. And particularly for oral cultures too, like uh, people who didn't read much, seeing someone performing, it stays with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'd be something like, that would be cooler to see in churches as people actually mm. acting out scripture some more or acting yeah. out some of these teachings, which is why I was really keen when going through Jeremiah was to spend a fair chunk of this series actually enacting out some of yeah, Jeremiah's yeah. sign acts to yeah. really help hammer that home, what yeah. he was trying to do. Yeah, and I think that um, there is something in it about we can read it, but then actually seeing it um, embodied I think really helps us connect a mu- lot more closely both to what the, for lack of a better word, spectators or mm. audiences experience would have been when Jeremiah did it. Um, yeah, and just kind of understand the magnitude of it and what yeah. it actually means. And I can't help but think of a lot of Jesus's other teachings, which sometimes were quite confusing for the listeners, mm. even just the parable of the sower and mm. the seeds. Like, you know, the disciples go, what did that mean kind of thing? And he obviously explains that one to him. But I think that there is something that we've spoken about before on Banter that really happens in the human mind when 
they need to do a little bit of work to connect the mm. dots. You know, you're, it's almost like you're giving them a little bit of a puzzle or a riddle to solve and they've got to connect the dots a little bit. And what actually happens just like on a neuro level in your brain is you start to form new synapses when you're figuring out what's going on there. And it means that those neural pathways are actually being made. You're not just being spoon fed information, mm. but you're actually doing that processing yourself, which probably makes it stay with you longer, mm. makes it more impactful for you. I think that there's a lot to say for teaching um, and biblical truths which maybe aren't always watered down and spoon mm. fed to us but can we have the patience yes. and the fortitude mm. and perseverance to actually yeah. really chew on them and allow those sort of formations in our brain to happen and probably our heart as well yeah so yeah that was really cool it's the first time i ever really i've done that um, mm. something silent like that it just felt odd yeah. Well, yeah. Was, Can you talk a little bit more about that? What was yeah. what was the experience for you? <laughs> well, it just felt odd because I could see people kind of looking at me like, "What's this guy doing?" <laughs> Lots of squinted eyes. Like, what What's kind of <laughs> happening here? And the oddness sense, I think, because people aren't used to the silence, mm. and probably someone's like, "Oh, that's a bit weird." And mm. you know, if you're a guest on Sunday, like, "Ah, oh, that's mm. this, what's this? What happens in this church here? It's a bit weird." But then mm. I kind of could see the penny drop when I read through, like, "Oh." Yeah, okay. Mm. Got it. I was also deliberate. I didn't, on the pastor's desk, I didn't like reveal too much about the passage. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Didn't show your hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah usually yeah. I do. Usually I'm like really upfront. Oh, I want people to know. I want yeah, to reinforce yeah. this. Here's the takeaway for something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so but, good. Um, so, yeah, that's good. And I'm looking forward to when we come back to. Yeah, you're doing the next one, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, doing an, uh, another sign out. Yeah, it's so. going to be. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep it keep it mysterious. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we have said it already on <laughs> yeah, a previous yeah. banter. People really want to go back, <laughs> yeah. do their homework, but yeah, I think that yeah, there's uh, something of value in that to mm. sort of have a little bit of mystery, a little yeah. bit of mystique to it, a little bit of discovery on the day. Yeah. Um, staying with the linen uh, loincloth for just mm. one more second. Um, you made the point that the word bound around Jeremiah mm. is the same that's used with Adam and Eve in the garden yeah. um, about when they become one, when the two shall become yeah. one. Um, did you want to speak a bit more on the significance of that and how yeah. those two things relate, more so in informing <coughs> Jeremiah and this yeah. sort of story and then what that means for us? So um, Dabak is used to describe, yeah, obviously the uniting of mm. yeah, the man and the woman together and... Yeah, I see it as this is why I think the loincloth is best illustrated with the like, yeah, the underwear sort of analogy is that it's the closest bit of garment to your skin, mm. and the idea is I think it's it, tapping into that deeper level of, of Yahweh being like a husband to yeah. the Israelites. Yeah, and so in doing that, there's this intimacy where the two are co- connected so deeply, mm. and if you strip off the the loincloth from a wearer and bury it, it becomes useless it's no longer a loincloth it's mm. not good for anything and in a similar way and that's why i was talking about what does it mean to be human for us to be fully human mm. as image bearers we need to be in that relationship with god it's mm. really cool that when god brings life into adam he breathes on him mm-hmm. and so for us as christians we believe if the holy spirit comes in and washes us gives mm. us the jesus actually does that he breathe on the disciples in John 20 which is really yeah. cool You're kind of living back to Genesis yeah. there and that's that idea is like well if we want to be image bearers we want to live as the humans God wants us to be we mm. need to be bound mm. to him we need to have this intimacy yeah with him and I, that's why I think that's just so 
Yeah, whether or not Jeremiah was thinking about Genesis two twenty four and mm. the marriage analogy, mm. I'm not sure. But it where just, the Baruch was when he was Baruch, writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's a good point actually. Baruch probably was the author, but yeah, yeah whether they'll think about that, that's yeah, it's still a cool like allusion to another text. Yeah, and other texts throughout Scripture about yeah marriage and mm. intimacy with God. Yeah, no, very cool. Mm. Um, with this idea of being an image bearer of God, it's a very sort of like John, John <laughs> Lennox idea of yeah. this being sort of a really pinnacle idea of how we are defined as human Christians. Mm. Um, being an image bearer of God is a pretty big idea. Mm. Um, if you had to explain the practicalities of that to someone, so what does it actually mean for me to fully realize mm. that I'm an image bearer of God? How does that change the way I think and live? Um, what would you say? What are some implications of yeah. that? So we're to reflect the God that we're created in. Yeah. That's that's probably the thing I would take away, the, the nutshell thing, is that um, it's like you can translate the Hebrew word selom as idol. Mm. If you say we're an idol of God, you're like, ooh, that sounds a bit blasphemous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Image idol means the same thing. Like, I actually find the idol a bit more helpful. Like, oh, if I'm an idol of God, mm. in that sense, I'm a representation. Idols were to represent the form of the God. So mm. you look at that idol and go, okay, whether it be Baal or Marduk or whoever, well, you know, Baal represents the storm God. So therefore he's this, you know, he, these are the characteristics he has. He's mm-hmm. a bit promiscuous, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But for us as idols of God, in the sense of being human, well, we know God's full of righteousness and mm-hmm. justice mm-hmm. and mercy. And mm-hmm. so we're to reflect that. Mm. And if Jesus being the perfect image of God, where to reflect Jesus. Mm. So that's how I see that role of being image bearers of God, where to reflect the characteristics of God. And part of that is by subduing and ruling over the earth. Mm. Like, uh, having the authority that um, God gave all humans to do and doing it in a way that reflects Jesus. And so in a sense, the kingdom of God is, is fulfilling the Adamic commission. Mm. We're to spread out Eden, so to speak, across yeah. the world so people know about Jesus and yeah. no longer worshipping idols but worshipping the living God. Mm. Um, mm. That's that's my little 30-second yeah. <laughs> summary. Of no, it was a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> um, what would you define as missing the mark or missing the point of being an image bearer of God? Yeah. Um, it's it's worshipping, I'd say, the creation, not the creator, mm-hmm. as Paul would say. Mm. Yeah, it's behaving in a way that's not reflecting what God called us mm. to be. Mm. And that's what sin does. It it mars our image. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's interesting how of all the sins out there, pride, and that's why I really hammered on it, like the church really saw pride as just this, the root of all sin. And so yeah. I can see why, because it's pride that makes you not want to sit under the teachings of Scripture. It's pride that... yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's cool. You could say pride is another thing that's about missing the mark. It's this being too proud to recognize that, mm. well, as an image bearer of God, we need to sit mm. under what he's ordained for this mm. world. Um, yeah. I like to go back to creation a lot when people ask me about... Um, yeah, I got asked once by one of our staff members about why like same-sex marriage is wrong. Mm. And I said, let's, let's have a look at creation. Like There mm. are boundaries that God in place mm-hmm. it's similar to for an ordered society God wants he puts boundaries in place so mm-hmm. the sea transgresses the land we have floods 
if you know the sky transgresses its boundaries we know that that causes carnage mm. as well like too much rain and all that in yeah. a similar way in a society that's like ordered when things are working well when you do that it starts to mm. fall apart now i'm sure there's lots of secular people would say we don't need god for but yeah look at society around us here mm. there's yeah certainly a lot of things that are broken and people who may not be the brokenness of violence and robbery and all mm. that but there's a brokenness inside many people i mm. see they're trying to fill the void that yeah. god has put there yeah. and they're that's in a sense too proud to see that what they truly need is submitting themselves to jesus mm. to binding themselves to to him to be mm. wearing the righteousness that he offers yeah. us this idea mm. of pride i think was um something that you um yeah found some very tweetable quotes <laughs> yes. it was great some some obviously in proverbs and some from church fathers mm. sort of spanning the centuries mm. i quite liked this one from augustine and it's a smaller yeah. of the larger yeah, yep. quote but what is pride but a craving for undue exaltation yeah I think that there's a lot to say there about this idea of ultimately when we lose the idea that we are image bearers of God, mm. ultimately suddenly the idol becomes the God, right? Yeah. The us becomes the God. Um, yeah, and that's going to set ourselves up for all sorts of failure. Yes, yeah. um, but I think that one thing that was really interesting was a craving for undue exaltation. Mm. It's just such a, I don't know, beautiful turn of words, which yeah. probably was originally in Greek, but yeah, you know, Latin, very Latin, probably yeah. very uh, beautifully translated. Mm. But um, the one also which I found really striking was the C.S. Lewis quote: mm. "Pride turned angels to devils, and yes. humility turns humans into uh, angels." Mm. Um, yeah, humility turns humans. Yeah. Into yeah, angels yeah. um really really cool um i suppose idea around yeah how much this i this this dual relationship of pride and humility can be very formative mm. within us um there is sort of i guess this question then in what can we do to i suppose continue to foster um humility in ourselves yeah i didn't talk about this at all but i find that that him from Philippians where Paul says consider Christ Christ did not consider equality God something to be grasped but humbled himself and became obedient to death Mm. even death upon a cross and Paul's talking about that in the context of relationships with one another Mm. and yeah and it's something that I constantly need to look sometimes it's very easy to think that I'm a big shot and you know this is you know, my way is the right way and da 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 and it's like actually well if Jesus himself that had equality of God was able to humble himself yeah I need to just mm. eat some humble pie mm. and uh, yeah swallow that and recognise that well yeah it doesn't matter how great I am mm. if the second person of the Trinity was able to humble himself yeah. how much more should I and mm. yeah that's why those passages about fearing the Lord it's quite critical because that's what actually jordan peterson once said uh, he goes what kind of keeps him grounded he goes an existential like fear of god Mm. it was like his words which i found interesting for a man that probably doesn't have i'd say like a faith in god like a belief in god i don't know i don't know where he stands but i just found that interesting quote from him is that there's this like Mm. yeah if we believe that there's an all-powerful god that should cause us to fear or i kind of briefly said awe awe of the lord might be a bit Mm. more helpful like Mm. fear kind of has we have a a stigma around the word fear but awe we're like okay i can understand that like when you're in awe of someone there's this 
reverence, there's this respect, there's this yeah, distance you have. And the, the wisdom literature acknowledges that. Like, if you want to be a wise person, fearing the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom, that's the beginning mm. of knowledge. And then from that flows mm. everything else. And if you're too mm. proud, then you don't have that fear. And that leads to your destruction. That's essentially what, well, yeah, like Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before mm. a fall. Like there's mm. this danger to pride, which, mm. yeah, like I even mentioned it like briefly, secular wisdom even, like psychologists don't think pride's a good thing. Like there seems to be this universal, universal acceptance that pride is a bad thing. Yeah. And we need to learn to become humble mm. and so that for me that's one of the like reflecting upon jesus mm. and jesus himself he said the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many it's very mm. humbling mm. you know the kings of the gentiles lorded over each other mm. but not so with you the greatest among you mm. is a servant you're like mm. okay like that's mm. goes against everything that we think about for greatness in a leader mm. and so that yeah like all these things, very easy to say, very hard to do sometimes. Mm. But suppose that's that's part of the road of discipleship is mm. having, I think, has the self awareness to recognise. Well, if, if is this behaviour that honours Jesus? Is this something that mm. Jesus would do? Is this something that am I demonstrating fear of the Lord in this situation, or am I, or am I have become too proud? Mm. And yeah, pride does blind people to mm. many things. There's, mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example of my life, but I can't think of it at the top of my head. But I'm sure there's been many times, my wife would probably, she's here to tell you, <laughs> times I've been too proud and it's led yeah. to all sorts of issues. Yeah. 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 Certainly in love of our conflicts, probably. It's, yeah. I've probably just stood my ground because I'm like too proud to yeah. actually just admit yeah. I was wrong. And it leads to all sorts of like yeah. headaches. Yeah. So you're almost like in the moment, I don't care. I'm yeah. going to like just stand my ground. <laughs> Yeah, and I think within a healthy relationship, there's something even quite powerful in saying, hey, I'm sorry, even when you don't actually believe that you're in the wrong, but mm. going, hey, like, whatever I did, whether yeah. I thought it was right or wrong, I'm sorry, mm. <laughs> you know, I didn't mean to hurt you or upset you. I think that that is a big part of humility as well, at least mm. in my sort of yeah. marriage. <laughs> um, there's, I think, something um, to say about this idea <coughs> of, you know, being clothed in humility. Mm. Um, and I think that yeah. there's an interesting idea there where ultimately it does require also a stripping off of things first, which yeah. you kind of spoke about. I really loved um, what Sue actually did as MC at the end of the service. Mm. And yeah, I always love it when Sue... Shout out to you, Sue. Shoot it, shout out to Sue Webb. But um, <laughs> yeah, getting or encouraging those in the congregation who wanted to join her and mm. getting down on their knees and confessing their sin. And I think that there's two things there. I think there's the very literal, you know, posture of getting down on our knees, mm. which I find, you know, even in, in just musical worship, a really helpful posture to get me into that place mm. of humility before God. Um, but also the act of confession and mm. recognizing, hey, like I am not perfect. <laughs> mm. And the only person who can help me with these flaws, with this sin, with this brokenness is ultimately Jesus, ultimately mm. God. Um, I think that, yeah, having that sort of posture of confession on our knees daily is a um, helpful way to ensure that we stay yeah. humble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, being on your knees, it is 
Yeah, you ever seen Superman 2 back in the 80s or 70s when it came out? And Zod says to Superman, kneel before Zod. Like, mm. the idea is, like, that's your submission. You're kneeling before me, yeah. Superman. I'm superior to you. And yeah. that's, yeah, in a sense, what we're doing with God. We're kneeling yeah. before someone who is, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you can't do that physically, doing it in our hearts. Cause, mm. But, yeah, you're right. The physical act is, yeah, very powerful in a public setting to do that. Mm. 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 Hey, well, thanks for reflection there. Mm. Yeah, I think um, there's there's a, there's a cool passage, um, the pr- pretty popular one in, in Romans 13. I was almost surprised you didn't go there, <laughs> <laughs> which is to clothe ourselves in in Christ yeah. as well. And it's interesting because um, the things that Paul sort of um, talks about is let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing mm. and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. <laughs> Um, I say that, and then he says, rather clothe yourselves mm. with the Lord Jesus Christ mm. and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm. I, I, I say that because the um, sort of passage that um, c- you quoted C.S. Lewis mm. in, uh, it almost felt like he was, whether riffing consciously off, or yeah. subconsciously, rip it, riffing off that a bit when he said, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that and mere flea bites in comparison. So, you know, I I feel like he's kind of going, look, <laughs> yeah, if Paul's yeah. calling you to strip yourself of that, mm. you should even more so strip yourself of pride and clothe yourself in Christ. But mm. um, I think this idea um, of, you know, in a metaphorical sense, but I guess in a private space when we're yes. praying, we could do it literally, mm-hmm. coming to Christ with a, with a posture again, a, mm. with a mindset and a, and a heart of, of nakedness and mm. being completely stripped of, you know, our ego, our own sort of ostentation and even agendas and being able mm. to be then clothed yeah. with Christ. It's almost like, you know, God works best when he's painting on a blank canvas. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that there's, yeah, so much to be understood in that. Um, for you, um, you were saying that there's some sort of parallels or echoes um, of other passages in the Bible yeah. from this sort of yeah. passage. So from a, this is like, I guess, lack of a word, the meta-narrative of Jeremiah. Yes. The, the meta, I love that word, meta-narrative. Yeah. It sounds fancy. Yeah, you sound like Dan Harmon. Ooh, meta-narrative. <laughs> like the meta-narrative of Jeremiah is that like Jerusalem's going to be destroyed by the Babylonians for yeah. breaching the covenant. And because Jeremiah is like heavily influenced by the book of Deuteronomy, um, while it doesn't word, use the word pride in there, it's certainly like a bit of an illusion. So this is from Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse... Um, 17. Um, so the context is God's talking about protecting the Israelites in the wilderness with manna and all that. And so it says he, he did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant. He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods worshipping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed just as the Lord... Um, has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. Mm. And so that idea of pride, like we don't, yeah, no one really knows what Jeremiah is referring to directly, mm. but yeah, I was, just read an author that suggested this text. I was like, yeah, I can see it. Like in a sense, like they think, you know, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. 
um, you know, and following other gods, thinking that they will make them more successful. Like in the ancient world, gods were seen as a way to ensure like your prosperity mm. and the protection of a nation. Mm. There was, so it's actually a reminder and Moses saying that like the Lord led you through the wilderness mm. to, yeah, to remind you that he's the one who is in charge. It's yeah. it's cool in, in Hebrew, the word tahu, which is like chaos mm. at the beginning of the world. It's also the same for desert. So there's like this illusion that when the Israelites are going through the desert, it's not the desert, it's the tuhu. It's the mm. same sort of state as the world before it was created. In a sense, mm. it's a lifeless place mm. and God brings life to it. Mm. He provides food and water mm. in the lifeless place. Mm. And so it's, it's humbling to them. And mm. so when you're in the land, like a new Eden essentially, mm. you need to keep that humble posture as well mm. because you don't achieve any of this by your own strength. Yeah. And mm. that's what seems to be Jeremiah's alluding to is they have this pride in mm. their heart. The, yeah, let me pull up. It says here the, uh, yeah, the pride of, for I'll ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. And mm. so obviously there's probably the great pride. There's something about the temple, mm. the city, um, Judah mm. as just a nation state. There's this pride to him it's like well no you didn't achieve any of this by your own hands because god has allowed it and so yeah yeah deuteronomy 8 passage where or not jeremiah and baruch were thinking about that but it's there it's one of those cool things that you can see scripture yeah just kind of connecting in those dots with that meta narrative of jeremiah and there's an another passage too i noted what was it oh 39 10 jeremiah 39 10 which said um, oh yeah, that's right. Um, so in this is connecting with Sermon on the Mount and mm-hmm. Jeremiah. It's just reading some cool stuff where it says Jesus talks about the meek shall inherit the earth, mm-hmm. and like there's a psalm that has that too. And it's interesting. This author was saying how, like in, in Jeremiah, it's the irony is it's the meek does inherit the land. Mm-hmm. We're told, but this is never. Nebuzadaran, he's the general of the Babylonian, allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind the land of Judah and he assigned them to care for the vineyards and fields. Mm. So it's interesting. It's like all the wealthy who are proud and arrogant and think that mm. they've built this in their own hands, they lose the land. Mm. And it's actually the poorest, the meek that mm. inherit it. And so yeah, it's some of the kind of like the illusions that the belt mm-hmm. sort of makes outside. Obviously, let's its own self-contained narrative but just seeing these other allusions mm. throughout scripture mm. just pointing to that so i think that like this idea that there's sort of this um back and forth referencing mm, mm, mm. is really cool this idea that you know just jeremiah sits in like yeah. this point where it's going backwards and forwards yeah. in this really beautiful way i um yeah couldn't help but think when you're talking about kind of clothes and how clothes really define people mm. and how clothes really um yeah i think both we you know whether whether for good or bad can judge people mm. for the kind of clothes they wear and also they can define us um i couldn't help but think of um supposedly <laughs> edward norton the actor the first thing he does when he's creating a character is he tries to find the right pair of shoes mm. and he says if i find the right pair of shoes i feel like i, I can really inhabit the character because it mm. helps me figure out how they walk and how they move um, yeah, in the 
comparatively to Edward Norton, much more limited amount of plays and performances that I've done. It definitely is something that, and I'm sure that anyone who's like worn a big, you know, pair of steel cap boots mm. before can probably attribute to, or likewise a really nice suit or dress. We can take on these sort of clothes, which can actually inform the way we feel and the mm. way we act and hold ourselves. Um, and I couldn't help but think when you were kind of talking about all of that on Sunday, how much the things that we hold onto in our lives, these things that we're girding around us, um, which are mm. sinful and unhelpful, how much they're not just unhelpful to be carrying around but intrinsically and vicariously informing the way that we do everything and the way that we're moving around and then to strip this ourselves of those things is not just then allowing us to put on christ but it is changing the way that we are holding ourselves Mm. changing the way that we are speaking and acting and thereby clothing ourselves in christ is going Mm. to ideally be informing and changing the way that we yeah move and Mm. speak and think and for me i think that i mention all of that just because it's a really helpful analogy for me i think that so often in the past when there's um been a you know sinful pattern in my life let's say Mm. um i think so often i've wanted to try to just strip off Mm. that thing but ultimately then i'm just naked underneath and i think that value of being then clothed in christ and that ultimately being the defining thing that allows me to move Mm. away from whatever it is in my life that i'm trying to yeah change to become more christ-like is ultimately a lot more effective and is the thing that allows it to stay long term i think that's one of the dangers i see with a lot of self-help kind of because i follow a lot of fitness people on youtube to glean tips yeah and i always just find it's always just very hollow yeah ultimately it's like well yeah like doesn't matter how fit you are Mm. you're gonna change but you can become more mentally tough and all that but Mm. it doesn't actually change like the fundamental problems in the Mm. which the bible says is you know sin in relationship with god and that's why Mm. i've that's why i find it's like you're just striving for something that ultimately will just wear out Mm. use the word of Jesus you know where's your, where your treasure is your heart is also yeah so sticking your treasure in heaven where moth doesn't destroy where moths don't destroy you know yeah, and yeah, thieves yeah. break in it's yeah. much better than, yeah and so yeah I can probably I can identify that too trying to get rid of sins but just sort of doing it just to get rid of it to make myself a better person rather mm. than becoming more Christ-like it is just mm. In a way, replacing almost one sin with almost a new idolatry. And that idolatry is to almost self-righteousness, yeah. not righteousness from Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me. I did this myself yes. through my right. own strength. Mm. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. Look, I think that there's so much to be gleaned from this. And I yeah, just want to thank you again for the for the teaching. I think that it's something that in, in different aspects of life, I think pride can be something that we all carry in different mm. ways. And definitely it's, mm. um, yeah, as you know, proverbs and many, mm. you know, church fathers through history, yeah. um, and yourself have shared. It's something which ultimately is going to lead to, yeah, great heartache. Mm. <laughs> um, and really we're going to be better off without yes. <laughs> to be instead yeah. clothed in humility. Um, we are moving on this week. We're taking a quick mm. break over the next three Thanks. weeks, but we've got a bit of a special weekend we planned. Uh, yeah. What's what's going on so on Sunday? The Solomon Islands futsal team, they're going to be here. And so they're going to hang out, sing an item in church. Great. Um, which will be cool. Um, and we'll have a lunch for them afterwards. So. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know what the message is going to be yet. Okay. It's a weird mystery because okay. I 
Well, this is interesting because you're the one preaching it. I am. I'm waiting for the Lord's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's only Monday, Mitch. Yeah, it's only plenty Monday. of time. Um, so, yeah, that will be probably something um, a bit more gentler than uh, Jeremiah because, you know, <laughs> might not do something odd with... Um, you know, I reckon the Solomon Arm boys are tough. I reckon they oh, can Oh, they'd love it, it you know. <laughs> smash some pots or, you know, get some stocks out and run around on the stage with that. <laughs> Well, we, we eagerly await with anticipation yes. what, what um, we will uh, yeah be doing on Sunday. Um, but, but then um, after that, there'll be a couple of guest preachers. A couple of guest preachers. Looking forward to uh, it. I'm, look, I'm looking at Mario going, I hope you organise that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah, all organised. It's all organised. Yeah. Oh, I, I figured we'd keep people in suspense for that as Excellent. well. You know? Excellent. Well, let's create some dramatic <laughs> suspense. I feel like we need to finish more banters with a cliffhanger. Okay, rather right. than like... Spoon feeding, what's yeah, going to yeah. happen? Next week on Banter, the winter break series preachers will be revealed. <laughs> Tune in next week. Uh, do, do a texting poll to see, you know, who's it going to be. Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, put put it put in your, your yeah. um, best guests. Yep. <laughs> too easy. Well, mate, right. thank you so much again. Appreciate it as always. And, thank you. Uh, we'll catch thank you Sunday. You. See you, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.